Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. In our passion uh, for the house series that we're going to see today, uh, we're going to discover that the church is a place of provision. Now, when I say provision, I literally mean that word provision. It's a place of abundance. It's a place of financial provision. Uh, it's a place uh, where generosity is flowing. It's a place uh, where people that are in need should be able to come. Amen? All right, it's a place that when people are in need, they should be able to come to the church. I mean, how awesome would it be uh, to be a place that is just has so much provision that when people find themselves in a place of need, that maybe they hit some hard times, maybe they're going through, I don't know what it is, uh, but they can come to the church rather than going to the government. Right? I mean, I gotta hear a bigger amen than that. Amen. I, has anybody in here ever been in a place of need before? All right, like some of you are so needy you can't even raise your arm. Right? Um, man, you've never been in that place of need? Man, you know what? The church was always supposed to be that place where people could come. Why? Because the church is a place of provision. It's a place for people. You're here. It's a place for God's presence. Amen? A place where we feel the presence of God. Why? Because where two or three are gathered together, there he is. And it's a place for the possible. Now, this isn't in your notes, but we read it uh, two weeks ago, and I just want you to write this verse down too. Write down Acts 2, 41 through 47. Acts 2, 41 through 47. We see all of those things happening right there in the New Testament. Now we're gonna go to Malachi. Are you in Malachi? Malachi chapter three, and we're gonna read verses six through, six through 12. Malachi chapter three, verses six through 12. And it says, because I, Yahweh, have not changed. Now I want you to highlight that, okay? This is God, I, Yahweh, that's God. I, God, have not changed. Just highlight that, whether you physically do it in your Bible, whether you do it in your mind, I want you to highlight that. I've not changed. You descendants of Jacob have not been destroyed. Okay, what is happening? Let's give some context, because if we just read that verse, it's not the most encouraging verse in the world, is it? The only reason you're not destroyed is because I, God, haven't changed, is what that's saying right there, okay? So what's happening? Here, here's what the book of Malachi is all about. The book of Malachi is a book about God redeeming his people and bringing restoration to his people, okay? Uh, from the very onset of the very first chapter, here's what it goes through. It goes through, I wanna restore your faith, I wanna restore your family, and I wanna restore your finances, Okay, this is what God wants to do, and that's what this whole book is about. It's a prophet. It's one of the 12 minor prophets, and uh, some of the minor prophets uh, wrote before the exile of, of the children of Israel, before they're in captivity. Right? Some of the minor prophets wrote to the, and they, they were uh, ministering while they're in captivity. Well, Malachi is a book that happens after the captivity, so here's what's happened. Here's the context. All of the children of Israel have now come out of bondage, all right? They're no longer in captivity. They've been brought back to Jerusalem, and they are, are commissioned to rebuild the temple and rebuild the city. And they're in there, and they're doing this, but as they're doing it, um, they're not doing it with joy. Matter of fact, at this point, their faith has waned. Their families are falling apart. Divorce is rampant. Um, they're no longer bringing uh, uh, the right sacrifices in. As a matter of fact, as you read through the book of Malachi, what you're going to see is they're actually bringing diseased animals, and they're bringing the worst of the worst in for the priests to sacrifice. Here in this passage that we're going to read, you're also going to see that they're no longer contributing their finances to the rebellion 
rebuilding of the temple. They're actually holding it back for themselves. Worse than that, though, it's not just the people that are actually bringing this stuff. It's that the priests, those that have been set apart by God to do the work of the ministry, they're actually saying, hey, it's okay. Just bring the diseased animals. Just bring this stuff. Right? This is the setting that this is taking place. So Malachi is on the scene now, and it's broken up into six different conversations, and Malachi is on the scene now to bring an argument to the people where if we're wise, we'll just say, God, you're right, right? But the people don't do that. They argue back with God, and they say, how have we done that? How have we done that? How have we done that? And so then the prophet Malachi, uh, through the, the voice of God, comes through him and says, well, here's how you've done these things. And so the only reason, check this out, the very first verse, the only reason that those people aren't destroyed at this point is because God hasn't changed. What does he mean by that? He still loves his people. He still loves his people. I don't know about you, but how many of you are out there are thankful that when you blow it, God still loves you? Seven of you. Okay. All right. I don't know about you, but I am so thrilled that when, that when, when I blow it, because your pastor blows it like once every five years, my wife a little more than that, but it's okay. I'm so thankful that when I blow it that God still loves me. Why does he still love me? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His heart has always been towards humanity. It's always been towards you. Yes, we've got to come to that place of repentance and acknowledge the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. But once we do that and we're a part of the family, when we blow it, I don't know about you, but I'm glad he still loves me. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, man, the only reason you're not destroyed is because I haven't changed. I still have a heart for you. I still love you. I'm still after you. Verse 7, since the days of your, your fathers, you have turned from my statutes. Now, I want you to highlight that word statutes because we're going to come back to that. Uh, in, your, in your translation that you're reading today, it might say ordinances. Uh, this idea that you have turned from my statues, it, the word is ordinance. Really what it is, it's a system, okay? God has set up a system for his people to live by. He set up a, a system for a man, if you work inside of this system, life is good. And what he's saying here is he's saying, man, you've turned from that system. You've turned from those ordinances. You've turned from those statues. You have not kept them. Return to me, this is... God speaking through Malachi, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you ask, how can we return? He says, will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? And you ask, how do we rob you? By not making the payments of the tenth, your translation might say tithe, we'll talk about that. The word tithe really means tenth. A tenth of the contributions. You are suffering under a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full tithe or the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Everybody say passion. passion. That wasn't everybody. Everybody say passion, passion. For, for the house. Yeah, there may be food in my house. Test me in this way. Test me, God says. Hey, look, I, I want to do these things for you, uh, but man, your, your faith is waning. Man, the family is, out, is in chaos, and the finances aren't coming in, so I'm gonna encourage you to come back to me, and I'm gonna ask you to test me, says God, and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Come on, isn't that awesome? I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not ruin the produce of your land and your vine in your field will not fail to produce fruit, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will consider you fortunate for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. 
but you have turned from my statues. You have turned from my ordinances. You have turned from my systems, but I'm inviting you back in and I'm asking you to test me, says God. I wanna to talk to you for the next few moments about pass the test. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, we thank you that your word is amazing. God, I pray in the next few moments that we have together that, Lord, you would speak to each and every one of us in this place. God, that uh, no matter where we're at in our journey, uh, Lord, that we would take a step forward. God, if we're here for the first time just discovering this, that we would step into it and find life and life more abundant. God, for those of us that have been Christians for a while, that, God, we would lean into this message today and learn and grow because of it. God, we lift up Reve Church to you right now. God, we thank you for Todd and Shannon Phelps. God, as they launch their church today, God, in the next 10 or so minutes, God, we pray that you would just bombard them, God, with your love. God, we pray that you would bring people from the north, the south, the east, and the west. God, bring people that are in transition looking for a new church. God, bring them to Reve Church. God, bring those, Lord God, that are far from you, that have never said yes to you. God, let there be an anointing upon that church to reach people, Lord God, where they're at, and bring them, Lord God, into a place with you. God, we say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done in them today, and God, we look forward to a great testimony. Help me now in the next few moments to create a place, Lord, where people can encounter your son Jesus, know your incredible love, and discover the amazing plan that you have for their life, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. This week, uh, man, uh, we, it was a full week for us. We got back on Monday, um, and uh, we, uh, from, from where we were at last weekend, visiting the Father's house, we got back in Monday morning, spent a couple hours with our kids, and then drove up to um, Orange County to attend the Art Conference, Association of Related Churches, uh, who has now planted over 877 churches in the last 15 years. Isn't that awesome? And uh, we've been a part, uh, we've been a part of 800 of those church plants, because we were church plant number 77, and uh, so now we've helped plant financially, um, also just by sending people and coaching some of them that are uh, planted. We've helped plant 800 churches, and man, it's just such an awesome privilege to be a part of. So we were there at the conference, uh, and then came back, um, I don't remember what day we came back, but we came back at some point this week, uh, got caught up on work, and, uh, and then I began to get some stuff ready that would then kick out to the church. Now, some of you um, already got the email. Um, you got an email from me this week asking you to be a part of the tech team and the creative team. And when you got it, uh, man, you were probably looking at this and saying, man, did like a third grader write this? Yes, your pastor did. Um, because it was so horrific. I mean, there was words out of place, there was things misspelled, and uh, you're probably reading it like, is this a joke? Does he really need tech people? Does he really need creative people? Maybe he just needs a proofreader, I don't know. And this email went out. Well, here's the thing. Uh, we have a system here um, at Canvas Church, and that email wasn't supposed to go out like that. Matter of fact, I've become pretty lax in the system. Here's our system here at Canvas Church. Anytime we're going to print something or anytime that something's supposed to go out publicly or like an email uh, that goes out is uh, I, I write the email, and then I kick it to somebody, and then they fluff it up. Uh, they make it sound pretty, and then, uh, and then they make sure everything's spelled correctly. And then oftentimes we'll go to a second person to have them proofread it as well. Because here's the funny thing. Me and my wife have been married for 22 years, and she can no longer uh, uh, proofread my stuff. It's true, because she just reads it like, oh, yeah, that's great, and it's not, right? But here's the problem. As I, I wrote the email, 
and I forgot to push it to the next phase, which was have the person read it, fluff it up, and, and, then, and then check all the spelling. And so it never went to that phase, and so therefore, sure enough, didn't go to the last phase, was to have another proofreader read it. And so I set it all up, I set the time for it to go out, and I forgot that we have a system here at Canvas Church that says, hey, you need to tell that person so they can do their job. And then I walked away from it, and then at 7.30, I saw my own email, and I'm like, dear God, True story. And then I started getting emails uh, for people that were so gracious, didn't say anything about it, saying, hey, I'll be a part of the creative team. And I'm like, yeah. And then I got some emails that weren't so gracious. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I got emails back saying, is, is this a real email? I got one from a really good friend of mine that was like, hey, man, I just want to let you know, like, man, I'm so into the church and I love what you guys are doing, but I have some concerns. <laughs> And I was like, actually, the system uh, uh, didn't fail. What happened was is I failed to use the system. Because I failed to use the system, man, there was a lot of things that, that happened, right? Here in the book of, of Malachi, God throughout the whole entire thing through the prophet Malachi is saying, hey, I have a system. I have an ordinance. I have some statutes. But here's the problem. The problem isn't me, God. The problem is, is you forgot to work the system. Are you with me this morning? Because here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, I've learned this a long time ago. The system works as long as you learn to work the system. And this is what God is saying. God is saying, look, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. This isn't on me. No, what's happened is, 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 it's church. I've given you a system. I've given you some ordinances. I've given you some statutes, and you're not doing them. And because you're not doing them, your faith is waning. Your families are in chaos. Your finances are not good because you're not in the system. In other words, what's happened is the passion for the house has waned. The passion for the house is lost. So much so in their context has the passion for the house been lost. Listen, God brought them out of exile. Malachi is not speaking to them uh, uh, while they're in exile, saying, I'm going to save you and I'm going to get you out. No, Malachi is saying, look, you're out. What's wrong with you people? You're out. Like, I, I pulled you out of that place. You're no longer in bondage. You're no longer in that place. No, you are now free. Listen to me. This same message that was preached thousands of years ago by Malachi is the same message that's being thousands of churches right now in America. The same message is God is into restoration. God is into finding people, pulling them out of bondage, and, and, and healing them up, and then getting them to live in a place of freedom. That message has never, never changed. Therefore, when God says in verse six, look, I haven't changed. Matter of fact, I'm the God that can't change. And the fact that I haven't changed is the only reason why you're still breathing oxygen on the earth today. Because I'm into restoration, I'm into loving people, I'm into grabbing, snatching people out of the, out of the pit of hell and out of bondage and out of addiction and out of, out of lack and out of, are you with me this morning? That message hasn't changed. This is the same thing that God is doing today. It might not be from a natural bondage as far as they were, they were, they were, they were you know, captive by Babylon, but what is happening spiritually? What, what has you right now? What has you from moving forward in God's purpose and God's plan? What has you from taking that next step? What is it? God's saying, hey look, I'm into restoration still today. I wanna restore you. 
I want to take you out of that. I want to get you healed up, and I want to get you living in freedom so that, man, you can make an impact on the earth today. Are you with me this morning? This is what he's saying. And so the first couple chapters, the first chapter goes through their faith, and the second one goes through their, their family and, and, and begins to deal with how these people are living. And now he brings it, and chapter four is all about basically the conclusion of these three things. But here in chapter three, he hones in on this idea of what we see in, in scripture and what we hear about talking church about this idea of tithe, tithe. What is tithe? It's simply the tenth. You say, what's this all about? Well, God, God shows us what it's all about through his word. It's, it's literally not about the money. It's about a test of your heart. It's about a test of your heart. And we, we talked about it's a heart thing a couple weeks ago. But, but it's about a test of your heart, right? Like, 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 like I'm dealing with your faith. I'm, I'm dealing with what, what's this corrupt family thing that's going on. But you know what? Let's, let's see where, let's, let's test your heart now. And let's see what you're going to bring. And he says, man, you're robbing me by not bringing the tenth. You're robbing me by not bringing, bringing this, this tithe. And he, he wants to go after it. Giving the first. This is what he says now. Because here's what the word statutes means. Okay? The word statutes, or in your uh, translation, might say ordinances. We're talking about the system. It's principle. This is what the word actually means. Principle of ordinary behavior. So what he says is, he says, guys... You've ignored the ordinary behavior that you, a son or a daughter of God, are supposed to be having. This is just ordinary behavior. Like, like having faith in him, that's ordinary behavior. Having some, a, a family where you're faithful to your spouse, that's ordinary behavior for a believer. It's not like, it's not like hey, come to me, and if you have faith, gold star, you went above and beyond. No, it's, it's ordinary behavior. It's not like you get married, oh, and you stayed faithful to your wife. Oh, gold star, man, you went above and beyond, man. Like, way to get married and actually stay faithful. No, that, no this is ordinary behavior. It's not like, oh, you gave, you gave a tenth back to him? Oh, gold star. No, what he's saying is this is just order. This is the way you ought to be living. Why is it so quiet in this church today? I go away for one weekend. He's saying, listen, you, you've walked away from my ordinances, my statues. You've you, you stopped doing what was actually just ordinary. This is the behavior of God's people. And so he says, I want you to return, and I'm going to get you to return. And I'm, I'm going to restore you, and I, I want you to return back to me with this behavior. So tithing is just an ordinary. We're going to talk a little bit more about this. This is just a part of it, Okay. This passage is really simple. It's so simple. Live in the system, the ordinance, the structure that God set up, and there's blessing. Don't do it, and there's not blessing. That's how simple this chapter is. That's really how simple the book of Malachi is. Get back to the system that God has, and my life's good. Blessings flow, there's abundance. Look, it wasn't just about, listen, this is the greatest part about it, because here's the thing. I, I've heard uh, messages on provision. I've heard messages preached out of Malachi so many times, specifically this passage, and, and, I, and I feel like it's presented in this way. Look, if you tithe, man, God will pour out blessings upon your life, and man, you'll have more, 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 okay? 
Do I believe there's some principle, underlying principles there that happen? Yes, but look at what the passage is saying. He's saying, hey, bring the tithe in and there'll be abundance in my house, God's house. Are, are you reading that? Okay, yeah. Oh, oh, you don't believe me? Okay, well, then let's test this theory. Pass the test. Let's go ahead and test it. Go ahead and do it and see if in return then I won't open up the windows of heaven of your life as well. Rebuke the devourer. Are you with me? But the whole point of bringing in the tithe, listen, we talked about it three weeks ago. We don't give to get. We have an abundance in him, so we give. Are you with me? So we're not saying, hey, look, we need to tithe in order for us to get. No, what we're saying is, is we have. Let's honor him with the first fruits of everything we have so that there'll be an abundance. Why? Because the church ought to be a place of provision. The church ought to be the first, not the last. Visa should not be the first. Come on, somebody. Mortgage should not be the first. Car payment should not be the first. God's house should be the first. And that's exactly what he's saying in Malachi. He's saying, look, man, you have, you're not doing ordinary things that believers do. And because of that, if you read through the whole thing, now the temple is laying, it's, it's laying in ruins, it's in shambles, it's breaking down, things need to be fixed. It's not, it's not good. And actually, if you read it in full context, God is grieved to, to the point where the only reason he's not destroying them is because he doesn't change. That's how grieved he is. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Okay. okay. And so he says, hey, man, I want to I bring you back to that place, that place. Now, I want, you to, I want you to understand this, how valuable this message is that Malachi brings. It's so valuable that Malachi is actually the last of the minor prophets to prophesy before their silence and before the ushering in of grace, Jesus Christ, the New Testament. And he's, what he's saying is he's saying, guys, look, I'm about to bombard you with the greatest thing ever, my son Jesus. He's going to come to earth. He's going to save humanity from their sins. It's going to be the best thing. Man, this thing's going to happen. But you know what? I want you to return. I want you to return and begin to prepare for the grace that's going to come. So I want you to pass, I want you to pass, I want you to pass the test. I want you to pass the test that, wow, it's already 10.03. Man, that worship team went long today. <laughs> Let me just give this to you real quick, as, as quick as I can. What do you need to know about the test? I, I want you to pass the test. Look, at the end of the day, um, I don't want to just create a great, I don't want to just create a great message and preach at you and yell at you and get you excited. Um, I love all that stuff. You know, sometimes when you come to church, it feels like a pep rally, doesn't it? It's not bad. Um, but at the end of the day, here's what I want. I want to I get to you what I believe God wants to get to you so that you can pass every test, including this one right now. What, what you need to know about the test, number one, tithing is a test. Tithing is a test, tithing. So when you're in church and they talk about tithing, okay, what they're really saying is, hey, it's time to take the test. Are you going to honor God with the first fruits of all of your increase? Are you gonna remember him first? Remember, he's the one that gave you the power to get wealth. He's the one that gave you the job you have. He's the one that gave you the roof over your head. He's the one that put the money in the account. He's the one that put the food on the table. He's the one that provided the, he's the one. Are you going to put him first? That's really what it's saying. Are you, are you test. Right? That word tithe, it's a tenth. And throughout scripture, everywhere in scripture, it's a test. Here's what I love about it, is that God in his word doesn't say, hey, I want you to give me this amount. Right? 
he says it's a percentage because a percentage is applicable to everyone no matter what season of life you're in. So I'm just, I'll just give a tenth. Remember me with a verse. Throughout all of Scripture, we see that tie, a tenth means test. How do we know that? Let me give you a few examples. How many plagues were there in Egypt? You can just shout it out. Ten, right? So, so some of you read your Bible, right? There was ten plagues in Egypt, right? And so, boom, what was that? God was testing, right? He was testing. There were ten of them. How many commandments are there? Ten. All right, we got some Bible scholars in here, right? Moses goes up, right, gets the tablets, you know, whatever. Um, there's ten, right? There's ten uh, commandments. Uh, how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Ten. Now, you can pretty much be assured that everything from this point on is going to be ten, all right? So if you're like, I don't know that one, just yell out ten, you'll probably be fine, okay? How many times was, uh, were Jacob's wages changed? Ten. How many days was Daniel tested? Yeah, you guys are getting it. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? That's right. How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? How many disciples are there? No, just kidding. I was just testing you. There's... Some people, <laughs> I heard somebody say 10, I got you, all right. What's God doing? God is testing our hearts. He's testing the heart. Why is that? Because the Bible tells us where our treasure is, there our heart is also. And so he's coming in and he's trying to bring them back and he says, okay, let's reestablish this thing. Start bringing in the tenth, start bringing in the tithe. It's a test of your heart. And, and here's the thing you need to understand. Uh, this is the only test where God's not only testing our heart, but he actually says you can test him as well. So the only times in scripture, he says, hey, test me and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven. He's testing. God is testing our hearts. He wants, he wants you to come back to him. He's into restoration. But here's what I hear. I, I hear people say these types of things all the time. But, but Jesus bore the curse. Because here's what, here's what you need to understand about the passage. It's simple. Do the system, the ordinance, and there's blessing. It's that simple. Don't do it. According to scripture, there's cursing. And I don't mean swearing. Come on, somebody. Unless you do that because you didn't get blessed. <laughs> You'll get it later. But here's what, I, here's what I hear people say all the time. But Jesus bore the curse of the law, so I can't be cursed as a Christian. I hear that all the time when people come up and say, hey, I don't, that was under the law, Pastor. I don't believe that anymore and so, um, because I'm not under a curse. Well, here's the thing. If you understand the scripture contextually, it is, yeah, man, what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he broke the chains of sin and death. You are no longer, when you come to him, Man, that's gone. Man, sin is broken. Man, the wages of sin is death. Guess what? In Christ, that's broken. You're no longer going to go that way. You're going to live with him for eternity. Thank Jesus for his grace. Are you with me? So yes, absolutely. When it comes to uh, living uh, free of sin, he has broken the curse. But here's what you need to understand, okay? You've been saved. No, you don't need to raise your hand on this one. You've been saved, but since you've been saved, have you sinned? No one raised their hand. Good, just leave me. That's right. right. Yeah, you've, you've sinned. But wait a second. I thought, I thought, I thought, yeah, the curse is broken, but there's still times when you sin, right? Listen, when it comes to this idea of tithing, listen to me. It's there's obedience and there's consequences or rewards for obedience. There's disobedience and there's consequences for disobedience. Ben didn't push the email on to the next person to read. Guess what happened? 
embarrassment. That was a consequence of my action for not having the next person do their part. All right? Okay? We, we give, we tithe, we bring the first, and there's a blessing. We don't, there's consequences. The consequences don't, don't go away. I've heard this one. Tithing was a part of the law, and I'm not under the law, so I don't tithe. Now, don't raise your hands, but I've had these. These are real conversations I've had with people. Tithing is under the law, so therefore I don't, I don't tithe, I don't give. Well, listen to this. Lying, stealing, adultery, and murder were all under the law as well. Those were under the law. So is it, is it now okay to lie, steal, kill, and commit adultery? No, that would be silly to think that way, wouldn't it? But if we use the same argument, the principle is true, right? Like if people say, I don't, I don't tithe anymore because that was under the law. Was tithing under the law? Yeah, it, it, it did. But we're going to see here in just a moment real quickly that it was also before and it's also after. But you know what? Lying, stealing, killing, adultery, those things were all under the law. But, but Jesus Christ came. So what? Are those things okay now? Are you following me? It's super quiet in here today. Man, let's get to the 11 o'clock service. Jeez. Man. Tithing is a test. Number two, uh, write this down. Tithing is biblical. Tithing is biblical. I'm just going to give you the verses and hope you'll read them later. Genesis 14, 18 through 20. Genesis 14, 18 through 20. Abraham, 500 years before the law, he tithes. Jacob, 400 years in Genesis 28, 22. Genesis 28, 22, 400 years before the law, he not only tithes, but he impl the implication is that it should go to the church. Moses, in Leviticus 27, 30, says, man, this is holy. This is, we're supposed to do this. this is a holy thing. It's unto the Lord. Also, Moses implies in Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 2, that, that it's, uh, the implication is that this tithe is to go to the local church. Deuteronomy 26, through, uh, 26 13 through 15, and then we come to the New Testament. And Jesus himself says in Matthew 23, 23, says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And here's the thing, so many people stop there and put a period. They're done. Oh, so they did that, but they were doing these things. So they should have been doing these things. Listen to the rest of it. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In other words, what, what Jesus is saying is saying, look, you do those things, great, but you're neglecting justice, you're neglecting mercy, you're neglecting those things. Listen, you should do these and still do those as well. Jesus says, don't stop doing those. Hebrews 7, 8, New Testament passage. Check this out. It says, here on earth... Mortal men receive tithes. What does that mean? It means today, um, you know, if you were to give, and we have boxes in the, in the lobby, sometimes buckets, and you give, and this is what it's saying. It's saying mere mortal men receive those. What does that mean? Well, we receive them. We're accountable for them. Um, we input them, and then we distribute to where the church has need. But check this out. But there, talking about heaven, talking about Jesus now, he receives them, of whom it is a witness that he lives. You ever seen that verse before? Here they're coming in, boom, but guess what? We, 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 we do our part, but ultimately it's going to him in heaven and he receives them. Lastly, we'll finish with this. Band, you can come on up. Tithing is a blessing. That tenth, that first part, it's a blessing. 
In 2 Chronicles 31 through 34, uh, the picture is this. There's a recession going on in the nation. There's a recession going on, and Hezekiah, in the middle of this uh, recession, reads the law and finds that they were supposed to be tithing. And all of a sudden, he's mortified. He's like, whoa, maybe this is why there's a recession. So check this out. Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites, that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the command was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance, come on, there's some passion, brought in abundance of first fruits of grain and wine and honey and all the produce of the field. And they brought it in abundantly, the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithes of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things which were consecrated to the Lord their God, and laid in heaps. In the third month they began laying them in heaps, and they were finished in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned the, the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left. For the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is this great abundance. Isn't that amazing? Recession's happening. Finds out, wait a second, what's, what's missing? Begins to bring it to the people. The people's passion rise, and they begin to bring in abundance of all that they had. And heaps, heaps. It's a test. It's a test of our heart. My question to us today is, will we pass the test? 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 Because I want Canvas Church to be a place of provision. I want Canvas Church to be a place where, where there's not just enough, but there's more than enough. So when someone comes in and they're like, hey, pastor, this is going on in my life. I have need. It's not a question. Man, we're going to help the community. We're going to give to the community. We're going we're gonna to bless because we have so much in abundance coming in. While I was away last week, man, the Holy Spirit spoke to me while me and my wife were away. Spoke to me through one of the pastors. This is what he said. He said, Dan, if Canvas Church does not intentionally begin to reach the broken, the hurting, and the needy in their city, they will be irrelevant in the next three years. Canvas Church will be irrelevant in the next three years. If, you don't, if you're not intentional, if you don't have a game plan, if, you don't, if you're not ready, what's your game plan, Ben? I felt the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Ben, if you don't, listen, he didn't give us this building so that life could be easy. He didn't give us this place. He gave us this place so that we could be a city set on a hill. Come on, a light that won't be hidden so we could reach out. And if we don't become intentional about reaching the hurting and the, the needy and the broken in our city, that we will be irrelevant, that you'll come in and this place will be empty. I don't know about you, but I don't want this place empty. Come on, I want to see souls saved. I want to see lives changed. I want to see people, come on, restored. I want to see people coming out of that brokenness and that, that hurting thing they're in and come in and find freedom and find healing. Find, but we can't do it unless we're a place of provision. We can't do it unless, come on, the heaps start piling up. But we've got to be intentional. And as we are intentional about reaching them, I believe that God is going to make us so relevant in this city. Are you with me today? He's going to make us so relevant in our county. He's going to make us so we're going to reach them. Because we're going to have provision in this house. 
So I wanna ask you today, I wanna ask you to step in like you've never stepped in before. I wanna ask you to pass the test. I wanna ask you to step in. I wanna ask you not only with your ties and not only in that area, but I wanna ask you, if you're not a part of a small group yet, would you get plugged into a small group? Find one. There isn't one there for you? Come on, we'll help you start one. But get plugged in and watch and see what God does so that we can reach out to the broken, the hurting, and the needy. Are you with me this morning? God, we thank you so much. Come on, stand to your feet. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for, Lord God, the teaching of Malachi. Hallelujah. Just with every eye closed and every head bowed, you're in this place. I don't want you to miss the message today. God has an ordinance. God has a system. God has statutes. But listen to me. The greatest thing that you could do today if you do not know Jesus is you could say yes to him. The greatest thing you could do is respond to that call of restoration. Son, daughter, I want to bring you in. Son, daughter, I want to capture your heart. Son, daughter, I want you back with your first love. Son, daughter, I want you here because I've got purpose and a plan for you. With every eye closed and every head bowed, you are here this morning. And you would be honest with this pastor and you would say, I'm far from God. Whether you've never said yes to him or maybe you're here and man, you just run in your own path and you're like, you're like, you're like these children of Israel in, the, in Malachi and you're far from him. He's calling you in right now. And you're here today, and you'd say, Pastor, I need to come to Jesus. Every eye closed, every head bowed, would you shoot your hand in there right where you're at? I want to pray for you. Anybody at all, don't be shy, lift it up. I'm going to give you a couple more minutes here. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that we'd walk out of here, God, living out. Lord God, your word, walking according to your ordinances. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.